Hey, Seamsiders, you may have heard, but the Nook is turning two years old real soon. And so to celebrate, I'm giving away two annual memberships good for the entire year of 2024 to two people listening to the sound of my voice right now. I won't be sharing this giveaway anywhere else but here on Seamside, so seems to me your chances are pretty good you could win. To enter the giveaway, there's a link in the show notes below. Drop over there to get your name in the hat, and you have until December 31st, 2023. I'll draw the winners on January 1st, 2024, and the winners will get 12 months of quilty goodness. That's 12 different workshops hosted by visiting artists, 24 sewing circles hosted by me, along with countless other sewing circles hosted by other good folks on the Nook. Every day of the year, there's something happening over on the Nook. There's so much to love. I hope to see you there. We're going to do a little something different this week. Hope you don't mind. I just got inspired being here at home and looking at my grandma's memory quilt. Thinking I got some stories I want to tell you about it. Things I haven't even shared yet. I'm sitting here in the living room of my childhood home where I grew up. (laughs) Goes without saying. And where my grandma spent the last three years of her time on this planet with us. And I want to talk about this quilt with you because I do have some stories I want to share. But I'm going to encourage us, if you haven't seen the quilt yet, I'll put a picture in the show notes, but if you haven't seen it yet, let's just see if we can't hold it in our mind's eye, see what happens, and then you can go look at the picture, right? Now, for me to tell you about this quilt, we got to back up. I got to tell you about my grandma because she's like none other. I know everybody thinks their grandma's special, but mine's extra special. Everybody knew her as Skip, and that goes to show the kind of energy she had in moving through this world. Skip was born down in Rio de Janeiro, to a couple of missionary parents who were down there starting a school. Her mom was from Kentucky and her dad was from South Carolina. And they each ended up giving me a ring without knowing it. You know, they're long gone by the time I got the rings. But if you ever see those two rings that I wear, maybe you see my hand slip on the screen on Instagram or something. That's, that's there. Those are my great grandparents' rings and I treasure them. Now, I told you, Part of her family's from Kentucky and parts from South Carolina. And I got two memories from those branches of the family. First from Kentucky. When grandma was a little girl, she was there with her granddad. And he said, Skip, let's go down in the woods and cut down a Christmas tree. Oh, she was so excited. It was an honor, of course, to have been invited to go pick the family Christmas tree. But then come time to go, grandpa didn't take her. He took her brother. And she was so crestfallen. I mean, even a century later when she was telling me that that memory, you could tell there was still a little bit of an edge to her voice. And I wonder if that's something that followed her throughout her life. You know, she always wanted to be a doctor, but the family finances being what they were, they could only send one kid to medical school. So her brother got to go on to medical school and she went to nursing school. Her other granddad down in South Carolina was a tall, lanky man with a long beard, played the violin. And she remembers sitting on the front porch of him in that old wooden house in a rocking chair. Whenever he felt like they'd been sitting too long in that rocking chair, he would sneak his hand up behind his beard, reaching through to tickle my grandma and say, Piggy, there's lizards in my beard. We got to go. And that would send her hopping up, screaming and laughing, of course. Now, Skip spent the first 20 years of her life down in South America. She took a steamship from Rio all the way up to New York City. 
and then took a train ride from New York down to South Carolina. She went on to graduate high school at 16, went into nursing in a time where it wasn't even widely considered a, an appropriate career for women. My great-grandmother gave her quite a hard time about the indecencies that she would face in her life as a nurse. But still, she persisted. She went on to serve in World War II, working on the front lines, taking care of soldiers that had gotten injured. She met my granddaddy, who had already lost an entire family by the time he met her. More on that in just a moment. They got married after the war, lived in West Germany for a time. She was mother of seven and raised six to adulthood. She was active in her church for decades and volunteered in a cancer ward in her free time. She was an incredible giving person. And it seems fitting then that one of my earliest textile memories comes from her house. I was probably, what, five years old? I don't know. How old do you have to be to look up over an ironing board? And I remember seeing that she had laid out fabric. And then on top of the fabric were pattern pieces she'd cut out, that kind of brown onion skin translucent paper. And as a kid, I remember being so enamored, so impressed with the materiality of that paper. It's the paper that sticks in my mind. But also just being so impressed with, oh, my grandma can make her own clothes. I mean, this was something I couldn't fathom it. We'd always got our clothes off a rack somewhere, you know? So it was just extra cool to know that that was a way forward in life. Now, that's a little background for you. That's my grandma. Let's talk about her quilt. When my family was rummaging through all her clothes, trying to figure out what to bury her in and all this and all that, what to keep and what to pass along, at one point somebody brought out her purple velvet bathrobe. And this is a bathrobe that she would sit in most mornings to have her cup of coffee. And of course she would change before any company could come over and see her in it. But this is an iconic bathrobe for her. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, that's what I want to work with for this quilt. So I proceeded to essentially cut out most of the seams. I cut it into panels and I rearranged it so that it forms this overall mass. It kind of has the contours of a bell, if you can picture it. The panels, the front panels of the robe look like they open to the west, which is, in my mind, a kind of a nod to sunsets. And one of the things that was such a pleasant surprise for me working with velvet, I'd never done it before, was that the way it plays with light is like nothing else because it's dark purple in one direction and then bright light purple in another direction. So I played with that intentionally throughout this quilt. And there's also two sides to every fabric, right? So you see the napped side on top, but then you also see the matte flat back in different places around this quilt too. So the first thing that I notice when I look at this quilt is that there's a lot of teal blue stitching. That comes from the fact that on the lapels of the robe, there was just industrial decorative stitching done in teal fabric. So I pulled that detail out to find a thread color that would work. Now, if this quilt were a clock, I'd want to start us right around seven o'clock and then we're going to work our way around. And I see her name running from the bottom of the quilt to the top. And it's just, uh, it strikes me that I had to do so much thinking about which version of her name do I stitch into her quilt. This is a person who went by a nickname and like many women before her, she lost her family's last name to take on her husband's last name. And because she had a nickname, people didn't even know her first two legal names. So it was just, there was a menu of options to pick from, but I finally got one that ticked most of the boxes. If you go up past the name now, now we're 
right around 10 o'clock maybe, you'll see a couple of purple pearl buttons, but we'll come back to those in a minute. Keep on traveling. Now we're about one o'clock. Here in this corner, you see the back side of the velvet, so it's a nice flat. The light just lays there, it doesn't reflect. So it makes it ideal for some nice dense embroidered stitches. And here in this corner, I recounted the last time I ever heard my grandma laugh. It was on a Sunday that my mom called and said, Zach, grandma's taking a turn. You might as well get on home. And so I took Monday morning flight out of New York. I got here and that first day, I'm, I'm just so thankful that I got here when I did because we were still able to talk a little bit with grandma. There was a point where we were kind of hugging, you know, she was had her hands up on my shoulders. I said, grandma, you are the strongest person I know. And then she kind of laughed a little bit, kind of weak, but still there. Said, I've been strong for a long time. Yes, she was. Moving down the quilt, we're going to come down to about five o'clock now. And in this corner, the bottom right corner of the robe, you see a m more embroidered stories, this time in the form of a nine patch, like a quilty nine patch. It's her dates, her bookend dates, her birth and death, but then it also includes the story of the making of this quilt. And so if you could read it here in person, it would say, this was my grandma's bathrobe. I made it into a quilt sitting on my mom's screened-in porch in North Carolina, listening to Carolina Wrens in the morning and Katie Dids at night. So not only keeping the story of the person, but keeping the story of the making of the quilt together felt really significant. I'm glad I got that down. Now clipped in the middle of this nine patch, you see a silver sweater chain. You know, women, little girls would often wear sweaters around their shoulders and they'd maybe clip them with something to keep them from falling off their neck. And this silver sweater chain belonged to Mitchie, who was the last surviving member of my granddaddy's first family. Mitchie passed away when she was five years old from leukemia. And apart from a few pictures we have of her, we don't have any other objects that belong to her that remind us of her, except for these silver sweater clips. They're monogrammed. They're, they're sweet. But as is so often the case with these small, now outdated, out of style little trinkets, that we don't know what to do with them. You know, they, they live for years in the back of people's drawers. That's probably where this chain would have stayed if I didn't think of some clever way to use it in this quilt. And so it made sense to me to carve out a little bit of room in this memory quilt for Mitchie because my grandmother, who was so inclusive and so welcoming and so loving, had even offered to adopt Mitchie while she was still alive. Didn't work out that way, but Mitchie is and remains a part of our family. And then to zip back up to 10 o'clock, if I may, those two purple pearl buttons I told you about, they're there to offset Mitchie's chain because it just seemed a little bit garish to have just one shiny piece of metal. So I got two and it actually works really well together. Draws your eye back and forth, kind of like poles on a battery or something. Right under Mitchie's chain, you see a loop of ribbon that I found in my great grandma's Bible. Now this would have been grandma's mom's Bible. It's a pale powder blue silk ribbon tied in a knot. Don't know who tied it. I like to think it was great grandma who as I held this ribbon kind of finger in the knot just thought her fingers tied this. And what her fingers tied, let no one untie. So I just sewed it right down like that onto this quilt. It's in a figure eight kind of infinity loop. Makes sense for a piece like this. 
Now, right up the center column of this quilt, starting at 6 o'clock and going up to 12 o'clock, you see a lot of half teardrops. And this is a motif I use to help create this pathway that moves our eye around the quilt. These half teardrops are really inspired by the cutout shapes of my grandma's pockets. I love thinking of grandma's pockets symbolically, right? Like, what is it that grandmas are always giving their grandkids from their pockets? Little candies, maybe a little bit of money, always something. Grandma always got some kind of surprises, right? So I love the idea that these pockets form the, the path that leads our eye around this quilt. This quilt is a purple bathrobe. It is set on golden upholstery. So it's kind of a gold striped, golden ivory striped upholstery. And what's really sweet about it is it has flowers woven into it, pink and red flowers with green leaves. And most of the upholstery is right side up. So you see those woven flowers really nicely. Some of it though is flipped with the backside showing. And I like that because when you look at the back of the fabric where the flowers are woven on the front, you see all these clipped scraggly threads that somehow look more flowery to me than the flowers on the front. So I want to make sure we, we saw those. The edge isn't bound. It's just finished off with a blanket stitch. And I like the balance that that gives of, mm, it's finished, but it's not resolved. There's something that's kind of open about it that I think is appropriate when we're thinking about memory and the presence of our loved ones in our life, even if after they've passed on. When I think about the making of this quilt, I think it was such a special time for me personally, but also for my family that we had a lot of memories to gather from such a long life. And part of our time after grandma's passing was sitting around and telling stories. And this quilt helped do that. You know, somebody might walk through the room and ask what I was doing. And well, then we went on a whole nother bunny trail of stories. It hangs up now here in my childhood home, like I told you, where grandma spent so much of her last three years. And my mom says when she looks at this quilt, what she sees is grandma putting on her purple choir robe and flying on up to heaven. I really like that visual. I'd like to close out with a prayer that I discovered cleaning up some of my grandma's things after her passing. And it's an old prayer. It was written in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s. I'd like to read us this prayer. You feel free to make any ecumenical adjustments that you may want, but there's, there's some good sweetness here. Lord, grant that each one who has to do with me today may be the happier for it. Let it be given me each hour today what I shall say, and grant me the wisdom of a loving heart that I may say the right thing rightly. Help me to enter into the mind of everyone who talks with me, and keep me alive to the feelings of each one present. Give me a quick eye for little kindnesses, that I may be ready in doing them and gracious in receiving them. Give me a quick perception of the feelings and needs of others, and make me eager-hearted in helping them. This prayer was my grandma to a T. It is my prayer for myself. It is my prayer for all of us that we may have a quick eye for all the little kindnesses, both the ones that we can do for one another and the ones that people do for us, that we can be gracious in receiving them. Thank you for letting me share these stories with you. I hope you found something that you could use in your own creative practice. Hope you saw something good, and I hope to see you soon, maybe around the nook. Who knows? You take care.